Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. to remember this try to remember are your voices a sense of paracusia did you hear the voices are louder today the link between my internal senses and external perceptions is somewhat blurred not a good size gives me a unique perspective on things they said you'd be weird they call me crying and screaming into the phone. This little fix they got themselves in sounded right up your alley. You've seen this before. You know what this could mean? No, I do. That's why they need you. You're too exposed. Quickly. Do you recognize this? Whoever sent these men has used some pretty scary methods. Mind control. There are other ways to abuse someone's mind. This is the worst. Anyone who actually knows this guy is either dead or so scared. Who killed him? Who killed anyone he thinks helped you? I am pain. I am the last thing you will ever seek. Nobody gives an adequate answer. Shut up! Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 549. Set to have its world premiere at the Popcorn Frights Film Festival this August 12 is Psychosis, a crime thriller that tells the story of a criminal fixer burdened by auditory hallucinations who takes on a new case involving a sadistic hypnotist who seems more monster than man. Blending neo-noir elements with surreal horror, Psychosis is a film that is as engrossing as it is original, and that takes viewers in a triptastic journey through a monochrome world they will never forget. And joining me now is the writer and director of Psychosis, Mr. Piri Mardamiri. I thank you so very much for your time today. Oh, thank you, and thank you for that excellent intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's... Absolutely, my pleasure. As, as I was saying to you as we began this film, I mean, wow, what 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 a movie it really is. And what I think I love above all the other things that I really love is that it really is this odyssey into another world. I know the movie is shot in South Australia. I know it is an Australian movie, but in no way does it feel like something of our world. And I think that's a whole point, right? There's the elements to the films, the surreal and and other elements as well. 
in the style of the movie that really kind of just really just grabs you and doesn't let go of you in one any way whatsoever. I'm kind of curious though, when it came to like the the initial inception of this movie, what comes first to you in regards to um the movie psychosis? Is it story? Is it genre? Is it look? How do you as a filmmaker first kind of like tackle this material? What's the first thing that kind of pops into your mind uh and that you uh kind of like from the rest of the movie kind of sprouts from this original seed? Yeah, well, typically I I come from a perspective of what's the film going to be about, what's it going to say, which is sometimes hard because if you don't have an idea, you don't know what that's going to be. So there's always a bit of back and forth. This this film came about because I had like five or six little short ideas that I wanted to do. So there was like a neo-noir kind of black and white detective story because I'm a big fan of detective fiction in general. Um, There was a couple of others that involved... I was really interested in hypnotism. I wanted to do something in that, but none of the ideas were cohesive enough to like be a film on their own. And so I'd kind of just shelved everything. I was interested in them all, but they weren't, there was no meat on the bones of any of them. And then one day I was doing some research just out of interest um, about auditory hallucinations and came across a few kind of personal stories of people who experience a narrator in their head all the time. And, um, it was just really interesting. And when some were saying, I, they literally hear like Morgan Freeman, it sometimes is like a, a voice that exists in the real world or like an Attenborough kind of narration. I was like, oh, that would be a really cool twist on the film noir narrator, where rather than it being the, you know, cool and collected uh, detective narrating his own story, it was this other narrator that he hears all the time that is kind of annoying him. Um, and that got me really excited. And obviously then that leads into all the voices and all of the other auditory hallucinations in the in the film. And I had to do a lot of research into how that works. And the more I dug into it, um, the more I started pulling all of these other ideas, like the hypnosis idea, uh, they all kind of mesh together and all fit the theme and the tone really well. And then all the horror elements started coming in because it became very surreal very quickly. Um, and it gave me a lot of opportunity to do a lot of really cool stylistic things with the look of the film. Um, and then like black and white being, I can I can say something about perception and that this strange aspect ratio has a lot to do with like a metaphor for mind control and loss of perception and, you know, unable to see around, like everything's just hyper-focused. So I just went down this rabbit hole of psychological conditions and different ideas around how different people view the world and what we could learn from how other people experience uh, what is effectively a subjective reality for everyone. Like our brain takes in information and then just presents us with this reality that we then have to navigate. And the fact that everyone can see it and experience it so differently um, felt like something that film was kind of tailored for. Um, So I got really excited about like telling an interesting story, exploring some of these perception ideas but also like using film as a kind of meta narrative <laughs> i got really like nerdy about that um and so the film itself is kind of dealing with all of that and then i just thought I'd, i'll throw in a really pulpy kind of fun detective he's not really a detective but it's like a mystery thriller uh yeah. with a lot of different genres thrown in and just make a really kind of fun experience um so when it came to the it came when it came to the, to the auditory hallucination part with the character of cliff 
Um, what I find mm. incredibly impressive which is the sound design, Enrique, especially in regards to the voices. So when I watch the film, I watch it in a, a screener and I got these headphones and just the way that the voices pan and everything else is just fantastic. And then you've got Lindsay Dunn's kind of narration kind of like right in the middle of that as well. <laughs> when it came to the sound design and the stuff, how long do you kind of stick with that to try to get that kind of blend right? Because you want to make sure that the film, that part is a significant part of the film, but not be too overwhelming as well. Um, because there can be a case of where that can happen. So when it came to the sound kind of aspect of it with the voices and everything else, um, how long does it take for you to choose the right kind of voices, the right pitch of the voices, the volume of the voices and all that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, that was really tricky because when I wrote the script, obviously I couldn't include, you know, 50 pages of, all of these voices talking and the script would have become unreadable. So I had the narration and I had like indications of what the voices might be saying at certain points. And the rest was just kind of implied. I had to uh, get Darren, our lead actor. Um, I sent him some material. You can go online and um, there's videos on um, schizophrenia simulation, which kind of gives you an idea of it. They, they're used for sympathy training in workplaces. If you've got a staff member who has some, an auditory hallucination, Mm. Uh, kind of condition um, that helps people understand what it's like because obviously there's a lot of stigma around, uh, you know, the assumption that schizophrenia is this kind of, it's always this big negative thing that's going to cause people to fall apart when in reality it's just very distracting and difficult and a lot of people are able to manage with it. But um, so I sent him that and it kind of gave him an idea of how constant it would be. And then when it came to shooting it, we just kind of had these gaps where he would just have to stop and imagine and the cameras would roll with no audio all of the other actors had no idea what was going on which was kind of good because their characters wouldn't be hearing any of it um and we edited the whole film silent like without all of the voices without the narration in there and we went back after i scripted the film again i wrote a whole second script for the voices we got in five or six i think there's um i think there's about six uh voice actors came in to read the, they all read the whole script. So we had like five whole copies of the whole script in different voices. And then in the sound design, I just went and put it in where the gaps were and then very carefully just placed them throughout in ways that was like, if it's going to get too distracting, I might take a few out. If I feel like we need a little bit more of an idea of what, uh, what Cliff's thinking or feeling, I'll chuck a few more in, or if there's like a little comedy moment I can use, because I, I, I use the voices for a few comedy beats as well as plot stuff and character uh, just to help immerse the audience. Um, but it was really, it was a back and forth. And there was a long time where I had no real idea if it was going to work. <laughs> like we, we didn't have any reference for it. So some initial test screenings were very, very kind of depressing. Um, but it all kind of came together and the actors were all really good. They all took a different, like they had a set character. So we had like the the nagging kind of mother role. And then we had like a newsreader um, and a few others that just kind of all balanced off of each other. So we had some high pitched voices, some low pitched voices. Um, and then obviously you've listened to it through headphones. So you've got the stereo experience, but we, if, if you get the chance to see it in a theater, if it ever gets kind of released theatrically, um, we do have like a 5.1 really immersive all all around kind of thing. And I just sat in my little studio and put them in and see how it went. And then if it didn't work, I'd do it again. And I spent a very, very long time um, just playing with it to get the balance right and trying not to compete with the live dialogue and not to compete with the music. Um, but it was it was quite a challenge getting that to 
get to flow and like there's important plot information that is coming through the voices and they're all talking over each other so it was just a lot of trial and error getting that to work you spoke before about the the decisions you use black and white the aspect ratio of the movie um how that all kind of helps with the the character's kind of perception of things in his condition I want to talk about some of the imagery in the film, especially in regards to kind of like the what I call kind of nightmare imagery uh, that that is in mm-hmm. it. Because I always find it fascinating when I um, talk to filmmakers or listen to interviews with filmmakers, and they ask or I ask them where they get the inspirations from. And some people talk about dreams, other people talk about just like from different movies and such. What about for yourself when it came to a lot of things in this movie? Because the character um, of Jubini, the the bad guy in it, he does like in uh, sorry for swearing, but he's like a this guy just like lays on down a real mind fucking a lot of people in this movie, and a lot of it has to do with like this really horror kind of elements, which which essentially like to me, I actually wrote down in my notes here the movie's kind of like a blend of um what did I had here um Romero Lynch and uh, who was the other one I had as well Oh, I got it right here. Oh, I lost it. I had like Romero, Lynch, and um, I forgot. Uh, I forgot the other ones. But anyway, it's kind of like a mix of all these different things, and that imagery, especially yeah. um, with um, with Jubini, um, really, I think it's like holds up to like really like even the strongest kind of like horror films that are out right now. And while the film isn't a pure horror film, it does have that horror fuel really kind of like, like behind it as well. So where does that kind of where do you find that to really kind of inspire you um, to put those imagery together? And do you also, um, I don't know, do you storyboard your imagery as well uh, beforehand or do you just um, like to kind of experiment like you do with your sound design? Yeah, I, I definitely storyboard as much as possible. I sometimes, if, if it's a really big sequence and there's a lot of a lot of shots, because um, I have quite a good um, uh, like mind's eye, so I can kind of picture these things quite well without having to draw it all down but i'll definitely write lists of like we need to have a close-up here and that's going to cut to a mid shot looking the other way as the the character does this so it is all kind of planned out um a lot of the really horror sequences um like the graveyard and the forest stuff that you see with lone wolf um that stuff had to kind of be storyboarded because there was a lot of um visual effects to do so whenever you see characters getting duplicated and stuff i need to make sure that i get the lighting matched uh we did a lot of green screen work um but a lot of the inspiration for that kind of came about as i was just thinking about what what you could do if you're going to do a torture scene that is inside someone's mind uh how far can i take that because obviously you're not bound by the environment you're not bound by the kind of things that a person can like you don't have the guy with the the screwdriver or the pliers coming to pull someone's fingernails off like you can go absolutely crazy with it and i'm a big fan of like alien and um like you said david lynch i, I thought you know there's there's a lot of stuff like things coming out of people's bodies and multiple arms and stuff it, it all kind of came from a lot of imagery that i was doing into uh like just what the characters were going to be like. The, the character of Jubini was very based around octopuses and uh, stuff like that. So you've got a few of those images kind of just came out by default. Um, and also just the theme of like a, a creature with many arms or like the the Bond villain, the Spectre kind of, that has mm. the octopus motif. Um, a lot of that stuff just kind of evolved naturally as I was writing it. And I was just trying to imagine what would be both visually interesting, but also just for a character, what would be kind of more terrifying a more terrifying way of kind of breaking someone down. 
Um, so I just kind of imagined it and thought, I'll, I'll go as far as I think is is reasonable. Um, I, I liked the idea of doing an ASMR torture scene. So rather than it being this really horrible, overt thing, it's like this, it's very soft. Um, and that actually, like you said, um, from dreams, I did have a series of nightmares when I was a lot younger, where the thing that was most unsettling about it was loud things were quiet and like soft and quiet things were very loud and hard. And that just made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I thought, well, I want to use that for the some of the horror stuff is, is just make it really unsettling and really counterintuitive. Um, and, you know, I hope, hopefully I pulled it off, you know, with um, with the resources we had available. Um, oh, yeah. I think it looks I think it looks really great. The um, the um, mind you. torture scene of um, Lone Wolf in the movie, like just some of the stuff that are in there is like really just really surprisingly effective and really good, especially I think in regards to like um, any type of budget limitation, you did a really kind of great creative way to approach that. I think think it's really effective uh, the way that it comes comes out. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Um, Hypnosis is like a really big theme in the movie as well. Um, When it came to to that area, that kind of research, um, do you delve into the, any type of links between hypnosis and crime whatsoever? Because I know that police used to use hypnosis as a way to, you know, um, you um, get suspects to talk about things that maybe they might be behind stuff. But I'm curious as whether there's any type mm. of research or cases of hypnosis used by criminals um, in any kind of in any kind of way. Um, do you ever come across anything like that um, while uh, researching for the film? I didn't. I didn't go into any any detailed research into into any overt connections. I was more interested in it as a kind of a more conceptual um tool i'm a big fan of um darren brown who does a lot of mentalism and hypnosis themed kind of tv specials um and he talks about the idea of can you hypnotize someone to make them into an assassin kind of thing Mm. um and i like the idea of i got a lot of a lot of the stuff in the film is kind of taking some real world things and then saying but what if if you could take it a little bit further because um, with hypnosis, I, I don't believe, like, if you hypnotize someone, you can't make them do something that they wouldn't normally do. Like, their their personality is still in there. They're still in control of themselves to a certain extent. It's almost like their inhibitions have just been switched off. Um, but if you told them to go and jump in front of a car, they wouldn't do it. Like, there'd be a part of their brain that would just go, oh, wait, no, that's not what I would do in normal life. Um, so with Jubini, I was like, well, what if you could switch that off? What if he was so good at it that you could switch that off and turn people like he turns people into kind of mindless zombies. Mm. So I like the idea of 
completely erasing a person's humanity and just turning them into like the amygdala and a body and <laughs> just telling them to go and you need to do this and they just go and do it. Um, I really like that kind of idea, but I, I don't think that any of that is based on reality in any way. It's more of a thought experiment for like what what would it mean if we had the ability to do that? And with um with Cliff's character, he's got auditory hallucinations which are quite realistic in, a, in the way that I try to present them but the central conceit is what if he could tap into the hidden observer which is like a theory that I don't know is necessarily regarded as you know fact but it was a very interesting concept to me and I thought well let's take the assumption that it is true and that our subconscious is kind of like this second layer of identity to us that takes in all the information and what if you could unlock that um through some of these sort of conditions. So a lot of the research was done into just how does the brain kind of work and how can I push that in a direction that opens up kind of a discussion about like what does the brain actually do? Like what is the potential of the brain? What are the limitations of the brain? And exploring different kind of ideas within that um, without necessarily treading on too many like this is how it really is. Um, this is how the brain really works. That was what kind of was more interesting to me. Darren Amoroso, who plays Cliff in the movie, I love his looking in the film. Because um, to me, when I mm. think of like a lot of neo-noirs, my favourite ones come from the 70s. And so to me, he comes across, yeah. especially in this uh, in um, Psychosis, as like a 70s leading man. Kind of like a mix of like an Elliot Gould and a mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman kind of vibe thing going on there. Which yeah. I think for yeah. the, the tone of the movie and the the, uh, the genre that you're working in is really effective and good. It's kind of like an everyman kind of thing, you know. I, I really I really dig that. When you're looking for an actor to take on uh, the role of Cliff, were you looking for that kind of look um, in your movie or is that kind of, kind of come secondary to um, what you're trying to achieve there? Yeah, I had I had two. I came from two perspectives because I'd met Darren prior to, to writing the film. Um, we were doing some casting for some short films Um uh, several years back and he came in as kind of a wild card he was just at the agency that day to drop off some paperwork and the agent said would you mind stepping in there's these guys doing some casting uh you might be good for it here's some lines to read and he went in blind didn't know what the projects were and um just nailed every single audition for every character like complete like did completely different characters completely different tones he was just perfect for all of them and we had a hard time kind of like we can only pick him for one thing um, so I was like, I got to use this guy for something. He's too good. And everyone who met him on psychosis, who wasn't kind of familiar with him would always come in and say, Oh, holy shit. Who's this guy? He's like amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'd written it with him in mind, knowing his kind of approach to acting and the kind of things that he can pull off and knowing that he had quite a good range. Um, but I did also, um, want to go kind of down the direction of like a Tom Waits kind of character who's right. Because he does have all of this stuff going on, he's obviously constantly distracted. He's He must be very frustrated by this narrator that keeps telling him what he's about to do and everyone's judging him inside his head. Um, so I wanted to have this guy with lots of ticks and lots of weird little habits. Um, and then it was just me and Darren kind of working through that. Darren ended up not going as crazy as I wanted to go. Like I wanted to have a guy who was like really jittery. Uh, but I think Darren in the end was right. Um, I think going down the road of someone who's much more in control someone who's had to be in control their entire life, like he's always switched on, always knows exactly what he's thinking because he's having to separate, you know, all of the the different things going on in his head. 
So the idea of a guy who has just really knuckled down and taken command of himself um, was the right approach. So it was just like a, a, a good back and forth. Um, and he came into it really enthusiastic about getting the character right and uh, making sure that, you know, he was always doing the best that he could. And he like would take the script and he'd twist it up in ways that I wouldn't even realise he'd done it. Like I'd written it and then he, in the edit, I'm like, That's, that wasn't the line. But I didn't <laughs> notice on the day because he was just so natural um, that it was it was better than what I was writing. Um, so, yeah, um, it was mostly just because he was there. I knew he could do it. I was like, I'll write the film for you. I know that you'll do a good job. Um, yeah. Let's talk about South Australia because right now it's having a really big moment. Talk to me is doing really well. Um, in the best domestic and international box box office, your film's going to come out. Lately, it's been a real kind of like uh, a kind of like a hub, some really good creative filmmaking coming from there. What's the South Australian yeah. film industry like, especially out these post uh, COVID days? Because I'm sure a lot of people were, including yourself, was really chopping at the bit to really get back to work and get their films mm. out there. And I'm sure that um, you know. Um, that delay that, you know, with lockdowns and et cetera, um, would have just uh, fueled even more creative fire um, in that time. And um, it's great to see just so much great um, product coming out of it right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. South Australia's always been jam-packed with filmmakers. A lot of it is at the um, amateur and independent, like low-budget independent level. Um, and a lot of the, the bigger productions often come through Sydney-based companies or Melbourne-based companies. Um, and obviously, you've got all of the states competing for who's going to give the best incentives to shoot here. We had Mortal Kombat here a few years ago, um, mm. which was really great. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years, we've just had this crazy surge. We had Talk To Me, we've had Monolith um, was out of South Australia. Um, Carnifex was made in, in SA, I think. It may have been shot outside of SA, but it was an SA uh, leading, like the leadership was all SA. Um, Run Rabbit Run, I think, was mm -hmm. was at least partially, like a lot of South Australian involvement. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of great to see. I don't I hopefully this continues. It might have just been the last couple of years after COVID, we just had this big surge. But um there's definitely a, a huge, highly motivated film community in South Australia. Um and there's a lot of even in like the the really low budget space, there's so many people making like really long TV series and feature films. Um, we've had a lot of zero budget, like gross out horror slasher films recently. Um, it's just really exciting. I think um, people are just really going for it. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in every other state. I'm not as familiar with the film industry in Victoria um, or in Sydney. Um, but I think perhaps because we don't have like the Fox Studios or the Disney Studios down here, um, we all end up taking much more of a DIY approach. So we're all really self-motivated and we all just kind of gun for it, um, which is really nice. And it motivates everyone else because, like, oh, they're doing it. Well, why can't I do that? Why can't, you know, we all just band together. And um, so, yeah, I just I just think it's really exciting. I hope everyone keeps at it. <laughs> well, now that the film is going to have a, the world premiere, Psychosis, at the um, the film festival, what is like your hopes going forward now uh, with the movie? Um, is there any talk so far about Australian distribution or anything like that? So because I think this is a movie that, I mean, when as soon as I'm gonna, as soon as I find out when this is gonna come out, I'm gonna really try to push it really hard for people to watch it because I love 
thank you. I'll say to you, I'll say to you after year. I mean, it was just a, a pleasure to watch this movie. And I can't wait for, for other people to watch it outside of the of the US with the the Popcorn Frights Film Festival, um, August twelfth. Everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to you know the, the domestic audience here, what's a, what type of feelers do we, do we have out there so far? Or are we waiting to see how it goes on the festival run and, and take it from there? Yeah, it's something I'm gearing up to now. Um, obviously, there's the, the different um, approaches you can take, whether or not you, you try to get the distribution first and then do the festival run, or if you use the festival run to kind of drum up some support. Um, I've gone with the, the second option. I wanted to get the film out um, because I didn't have major studio backing. It's, it's sometimes very expensive and very difficult to, to initially have all of the distribution lined up. Um, but that is something i'm definitely interested i I would love to get an australian distributor and a us distributor up first um i have a feeling that the film might might do quite well in europe i'm I'm hoping there's been a a little bit of attention from a couple of french horror film magazines um which just kind of came out of nowhere and they all drove a lot of attention to the trailer and everything like that so i'm i'm really keen just to see how far we can we can take it it is a very unusual film um, so, you know, marketing something like that is a little bit more of a challenge, um, but it's definitely something I'm going to be pushing to see, um, definitely an Australian release. So there's, I mean, everyone involved in the film is in Australia and currently nobody's allowed to watch it, so it's very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, hopefully if if the premiere at Popcorn Frights goes really well, um, but I'll be pushing no matter what. I'll be sending it out and trying to get as much, much uh, wide release for the film as possible, yeah. Well, I feel very blessed to have watched Psychosis because I just, I love this film. I love the look of it. I love the story. I like love Darren's performance. And, you know, Piri, I love what you've done with the movie as well. And for everyone listening, you can actually go now to psychosisfilm.com. Um, there you can buy the tickets for the um, festival uh, appearance, August 12th, Popcorn Frights Film Festival. Um, and also you can see the trailer. There's all other st- uh, cool stuff there as well and all the links to all the socials as well. Um, and I recommend everyone to follow um, psychosis on all your socials because I have a feeling that after its premiere, a lot of people are going to be talking about this film because I know that uh, for myself is one of the best like Aussie features I've seen so far this year. Um, it's a fantastic movie, wow. uh, a period. It really is. I mean, I, I, I love when a film can come around and just surprise me. And when I saw the email come through and I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks really interesting and really cool and the um expectations i had had for it were met and then some um and i just want to say piri congratulations to you man you did a great job here with psychosis and for everyone out there listening if you're in the states um in in uh, i think uh, the popcorn uh fries film festival is in miami uh from what i know um if you can check it, it is, out yeah, i think the the film itself the film itself is available across the us uh, it's a virtual okay. screening so okay. i think anyone in the us can watch it not just florida um but yeah. Well, I, I recommend everyone in the US do that. Um, be the lucky ones here, okay? Because uh, we, a lot of people <laughs> here in Australia won't be able to watch it yet, but as soon as we can, um, I'm going to let everyone know about this film and about this, um, you know, and because it's just, it's great work, Piri. Really, congratulations to you. And thank you so much for your time today as well. And um, yeah, man, best of luck with the screen. I'm sure it's going to be gangbusters. Hi, thank you so much. That's really great. I'm so glad you liked it. And I hope everyone else who gets to see it has the same kind of experience. It's really great. Thank you very much.